I'm Mary Ann Baton, Director of Strategy and Collaboration with Workplace Strategies for Mental Health. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm here with Kieran McKenna, who's worked for 28 years in spiritual health care before retiring in 2018. And he's here to speak to us about the importance of knowing who we are and why we do what we do in our life and work. He'll speak about how spirituality can bring richness and psychological health and safety to these experiences. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you for the invitation. So, Karen, to get us started, what exactly do you mean by spirituality? We could spend probably the next hour discussing and debating the plethora of, of understanding of what spirituality is. Um, in a, to, to break it down to three or four, it's um, that which is greater than the I. It, it transcends this life. It's that which brings meaning to my life, to our life, to our communal existence. John O'Donoghue, one of my favourite Irish poets and theologians, says, it's that which quickens your soul with wonder. But my favourite definition of what spirituality is came from my son when he was just around six years old. It was November of 1997. I'm getting ready to do my first public speaking gig in London. I was doing uh, an in-service with palliative care volunteers on spirituality and palliative care. It's a Sunday afternoon. The coffee table is covered with books and notes, and I'm, I'm, I'm working my stuff. And we, Sean comes in and said, Dad, can we play hockey? I said, well, I'm working. Give me, give me an hour or so. Five minutes later, he's back. Dad, can we play hockey? I said, Sean, I'm doing this workshop. It's my first one. Give me till three o'clock, and we'll go out and do it then. He's back two minutes later. Dad, can we go and play hockey? I said, I'm doing this workshop, but what's it on? It's spirituality and palliative care. In his wee six-and-a-half-year-old voice, he tried to get the word spirituality out, about what it was. And I was about to say to him what I thought it was. And I said, Sean, what do you think it is? He put his wee hand on his chin and he said, It's inside me. And it'll get me where I need to go. Now can I play hockey? (laughs) I closed my books and walked out. I've been using that quote for the past 21 years or so and uh, it's a rich quote it's inside it's intrinsic yeah gets me where I need to go gets you where you need to go yeah and and I think that's the whole for those of us who have been on this journey is that the more we can learn to tap into that to tell us where we need to go and how to get there the better it is but in a workplace the word spirituality conjures up something that um, may be counterintuitive to inclusivity, that your spirituality may be different than my spirituality and whose spirituality should win. Great question and very insightful. As I said at the start, there's a, a, a plethora of definition of spirituality and I don't know how size your, what size your workforce is, but that number multiplied by the power of N is the interpretation of what each person's spirituality is. But before we talk about introducing it and how it can be exclusive, I think it's important to ponder the question, why? Why spirituality in the workplace? And why now? What, what do you sense is missing from the workplace? What's the word on the street? What's the, what are people saying? Or maybe more importantly, what what are they not saying? 
to introduce the concept of spirituality, I think we need to, or you need to be able to, to name the why, your personal why and your communal why. And once you tie the, the why down, the how will become easier. The what will become easier. But tying the why down and having um, buy-in for that why from all, not total agreement, because, you know, th- that to and fro is important, but an understanding of why, why now? And the how will be, it'll be one breath at a time. It'll be one step at a time. It'll be one one interaction at a time. Um, real change takes place within the context of community. And the community is a community of two, 22, 2002. I worked for 20, 28 years in healthcare and 26 of those were in hospitals owned and operated by the Citrus of St. Joseph. Back in the late 1700s in Le Puy, France, uh, where they were founded, they had a, we would call them a value statements or, or, or practice principles. And one of the practice principles was pay attention to the good neighbour in front of you. So part of the how is to be present to that good person in front of you, to be fully present to their story without letting my story interfere with that interaction. Before I can be present to that good person before me, I need to be present to me. I need to know my why, and I need to be strong in that. And to be strong in that, I need to be filled. A wee wee background story. About five, six years ago, I was at a conference in Calgary. And I like going to conferences, I like speaking at conferences. I don't think I was speaking at this one, but I was looking forward to being in Calgary. It was my first visit. And I got there in the afternoon and went for my walk and got to know the place and said, oh, I'm going to enjoy the city. It's really good. And I went back to my room and I did something I rarely do. I, I lay on the bed. And all of a sudden, I felt heavy, extremely heavy in, in, in mind, in, in body, in, in spirit. I'm going... God, I'm tired. In the Gaelic language, when we speak of tiredness, the, the, the phrase is Tango Hanro Tarshika every Agamsanish. There's a whole lot of tiredness upon me now. Tiredness of mind, tiredness of body, tiredness of spirit, tiredness of relationship, of work, professional identity. And as you as you're on this journey around spirituality in the workplace, it's important to name and claim that for yourself first. So, as I leaned into that truth of being tired, a line came to me, tending to my garden. I had plans to meet friends for supper that evening, but I knew in myself I couldn't be there with them. I texted one of my friends and said, sorry about the late notice, but I need to take care of me this evening. I ordered some a sandwich from the restaurant, I cracked a beer and just sat with my thoughts and, and uh, leaned into the experience. When I finished the meal, I had my trusty poem notepad beside me, and writing down the line tending to my garden, the following flowed. To work in the fields before me, I need a vision for my day, a certain horizon of calling, so at dusk I know where I will lie down. To have a vision, I too must have a memory, a picture from where I came, the road I travelled, pain and gain, scarred and blessed with wisdom, giving hope. 
to work in my fields with vision and memory, I must first tend to my garden, to my soul, to sit at peace with my center, with attention, to be attentive to my heart and soul. Only in such a state of emptiness can I be filled and emptied at the same time, emptied and filled. Only then can I return to work in my fields. It is at that point when we are emptied and filled again that we are ready to meet the other, that we are ready to meet the good neighbour who before me will that be 2, 22, 202. So Karen, for those who get up in the morning, have children to get ready, are rushing to uh, get out the door, get into work, it's non-stop, there's more work than there is time in the day, they leave at the end of the day completely depleted, but then they have to pick the kids up, take them to their activities, take care of parents. How do those folks uh, fill their spirit? Practice. I, I mean that. One of, them, one of my mantras over the years, the past probably five, eight years, has been to breathe, breathe often, and breathe deep. I will introduce talks with that. I have ended talks with that. I'll send texts to colleagues, and I'll end with that. It's three short lines, but it invites the individual to go, oh yeah, my diaphragm is up in my neck, I need to get it in my belly. So to breathe, breathe often and breathe deep. It's a mantra, and people can use their own mantras, but it's a, it's, it, it's a way of being. But that means then I have to take responsibility for my own well-being and not say, well, I need three weeks vacation or I need to have less work or I need to wait till the kids grow up. If it's me breathing often and deeply, then it's all my responsibility. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. And it's also we pay it forward because if we if I practice that and I'm, tr- I'm true to that, then it'll catch on. It's contagious. It's contagious. And you breathe. I'm not too sure how, how your breathing is now, but when, when I say the line, breathe, breathe off and breathe deep, I could feel my own diaphragm sink lower into my belly and go, oh, this is a good experience. This quickens my soul with wonder, as John O'Donoghue said. Yes. And yet it is almost so simple that people have a hard time believing it. And think about leaders in the workplace who may feel that the way to motivate people is to say, come on, dig deeper, go faster, go harder, you can do this. How would you advise those leaders in terms of that your stuff isn't woo-woo, touchy-feely, kind of let's all be nice, that it's actually a good business decision? The... um Woo-woo, touchy-feely. Without one to sound repetitive, step back to the the why, the individual why and the communal why. When this strategy is moving out and, and, and taking on life, it's a decision made by the organization. So there is buy-in. So I would invite uh, you or other leaders to be curious to 
why Kieran is saying that's too touchy-feely? Dig deeper, dig behind that, because part of my response of this is too touchy-feely might be, oh, this means I'm going to have to change my practice, and I don't really want to change my practice because I'm very comfortable being who I am. So I'd call it touchy-feely to stay safe. Mm-hmm. And yet we're watching burnout rates rise. And burnout to me is the absence of spirit. It's the absence of energy, motivation. Your soul is not singing. It's shut down. And it's a phenomenon in the workplace that the World Health Organization has recognized very recently. And yet what you're proposing could be the antidote to burnout. Uh, And I want to ask you, Karen, what's your why? What's my why? My why is the joy of, of seeing the light shine in the eyes of the other. My, my why is being allowed to come alongside someone on a journey. My why is the excitement of coming here this morning to be invited through a chance meeting, not a chance meeting, everything happens for reasons with Julie back in the summer, and to be here with you this morning. That's my why. It, 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 it brings me into a new way of being, a new way of using the gifts that I have received from other people over the years. My why is being curious. My why is wondering. My why is appreciating the joys of living. Have I bad days? Of course I have bad days. There are days when I go, darn, or other <laughs> such words. Po- not podcast-friendly words. With, however, within within each day, and, and I used to say this to my, my team over, over the years, at the end of each day, at the end of each week, peel back the onion till you find the peril. Because there are, are weeks at, at work or in your life where it's not easy to find that peril, but peeling it back and finding that peril, that's my why, because within each day, there is a peril. I wish that I had believed that more when I was younger. Now, at my advanced age, I have no doubt that almost everything um, really beautiful, really valuable, really um, inspiring in my life came out of challenge. That's the onion. But the pearl in it was how I was able to grow, how I was able to expand because of what I gained from that challenge. If only we could know that in the moment, life becomes a big adventure instead of a series of disappointments. True. Uh, and I think if, if you're true to your why now, why, for finding that pearl, people who come in contact with you will see that. Mm-hmm. And they will be inspired. The root, the Latin root of inspired is to, in spiritus, to breathe life into. So if you are being true to your why, you are inspiring. You are breathing life into the other, thus inviting them to breathe deep and to breathe true to their why and to move into a challenge, into a new way of living with curiosity. With, as Socrates said many years ago, wisdom begins with wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I'm curious. Well, I would say that my why is similar to yours, but I come at it from a different direction. And my why would be how to um, stop or eliminate unnecessary suffering. Because I always say that in life, 
suffering is part of the experience, whether it's loss or disappointment or frustration. But there's a lot of suffering we put on ourselves that is not necessary. And I think my life's work has been in looking at how we can eliminate or reduce that. So in the workplace, if my why is different than your why, and our work doesn't happen to be um, completely aligned with the why, how do we manage spirituality in a job that might not be making our heart sing? If I can understand your question, are you speaking about possibility of clash within the workplace, or can you, can you rephrase the question? I've spoken to people who feel that the only purpose, um, the only value for work is getting a paycheck, that they're not doing work that they love, they're not doing work that fills them up. And how do we help those folks to tap into um, spirituality in a way that can improve the quality of their lives? Agreed. We, we, we all need a paycheck. Uh, there's mortgages, there's kids, there's this, that, the other. You mentioned vacations a while ago. And the, the quote-unquote humdrum of going to work to get paid is a way of being. It's a way of living, but it's not a way of being. One of the questions I'll ask when I was in the workforce, when I asked new employees, I would say, why do you do what you do? And what are you afraid of? And they would give me an answer right away of what they do what they do. To what they're afraid of, it took a little bit more prying it out. A fear of being vulnerable. A fear of getting it wrong. And that was my stuff as well. And once I was able to let that go, I was able to go, wow, I'm actually making a difference here. If someone had have asked me when I left college in Ireland in June of 1983 that X amount of years later I would be spending 28 years working in healthcare in the field of, of spiritual caregiving, I'd have said, you're crazy, man. But the, the, the opportunities that I've received by accepting one invitation into a hard question, of why do you do what you do here? This is my first supervisor, and what are you afraid of? And I embraced that 28 and a half years ago, and I'm still learning how to do that. So for the, those who are doing the humdrum, why do you do what you do? And what can I learn from you? You have got wisdom. When I used to do orientation with St. Joseph's Healthcare, I would do an orientation around our values. And one of the things I'd always say to our new employees, you bring new eyes and new wisdom, and we need that. So to each employee here, I would say, you have new eyes and new wisdom, and I need to learn from you. And if we, if we can set up that reciprocal relationship, it will help us rise. Will it happen overnight? No. This is a, this is a, a practice that's caught. It's not taught. That's, that's amazing. And I mean, for leaders who don't know where to start, I think um, checking into the wisdom of your employees is a great way to be able to open up to that idea of spirituality. Some people, Karen, think spirituality equals religion. Can you comment on your thoughts about that? I'm smiling here because it's something that comes up a lot. And thankfully for me, 
there's a world of difference, but also a world of connection between spirituality and religiosity. Religiosity pertains to a certain practice, traditions, beliefs, creeds that one follows within the context of a tradition that they have grown up in. Spirituality transcends all and non-faith traditions. Spirituality is, as I said at the outset, it transcends all of life, but it's intrinsic to yourself. As my six-year-old son said, it's inside me, it'll get me where I need to go. I may, I may feel that tradition I belong to is not feeding me today, but my own inner sense of self and who I am is what I need, and I need to feed that. In however I do it, through poetry, through art, through song, through walking, through running, through gardening, through hiking, through photography, dancing, whatever feeds your soul. The irony of it all is that we have evidence that employees who are able to do that, who are able to um, really feed themselves and uh, will have more energy, will be more productive. And uh, if you were to imagine an ideal workplace, they really just decided um, this is what we're aiming for, this is what it looks like. Can you describe it for someone who maybe doesn't believe it could happen? Love the question. For me, an ideal workplace would be a complete stranger could walk into Canada Life and sit in the foyer or in your, I don't know, you've got a cafeteria here or one of the boardrooms, spend a week here, not speak to anyone, not go online, not do any research. But at the end of Friday, your CEO or your executive team or your frontline worker could say to that stranger, tell us who we are. And that person will be able to say, this is your value statement. This is your mission statement. This is how you care for one another. And he has done that, or she has done that, by observing the interactions. Not just by reading paper on a wall with words on it? It's this. It's the interaction. It's the quality of my presence with the person across the table in front of me experiencing that. Another ideal workplace, and I'll I'll, I'll toot my own horn here, one of my visions for many years for an ideal workplace that each workplace would have a designated spiritual guide or spiritual guide in residence so that each member of the staff over a year or 18 months on a rotating basis would have a, a day or at least a half day with a small core group of people with this spiritual guide talking, being silent, breathing, being true so that they felt valued, they felt honoured, they felt that they were I almost said the word sacred persons, but they were valued by the organization, valued by the person in front of them. Yeah, it's something that we say a lot is that there's two things that matter to an employee in a workplace. One is to know that the work that they do matters, and the other is to know that they matter. And uh, I think you've just described one way to help to do that. We talk, Karen, about psychologically healthy and safe workplaces. And I think what you have helped everybody to do today is to link spirituality to an important element of psychological health and safety. The idea that people can bring their authentic selves, that they can fill their energy up 
at work, that it's not just a complete drain, um, really supports everything that we're working towards. I'm glad to hear you reflect that back to me because sometimes I wonder in my excitement and in my running through words that I fail to get a message across sometimes. But thank you for catching um, some of the ideas that I that I threw out. That's great. I th- is there anything else that you would like our listeners to take away from this podcast about spirituality in the workplace? It's inside you. It'll get you where you need to go. You invited me to reflect on the question, um, what do you hope people will take away from this podcast? That's a fantastic question. If through this time together, I've caused one or a few people to take time, to take a breath, to, to reflect on the question of who I am, who they are to themselves, what is their why, what is their how, how are they connected to the larger community, how are they being fed by and contributing to that community. You may be familiar with and probably are the, the theory of the 10,000 hours of, of, of uh, mastery. That book came out, I don't know, five, six years ago. And shortly after reading that, I placed an addendum to that, that once I reach my 10,000 hours of mastery, I am once more a novice because there's always something I need to learn. I retired at the end of December last year, so I left the field of mastery and became a novice and have loved this novitiate year. Entering here today, I entered as a novice and I'm loving the new learning, the new way of, 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 of phrasing, of weaving my story into uh, an articulation of how one might make a difference in the day-to-day being. There's one poem that I'd like to share with you if we were drawing to a close. When I, uh, I hadn't intended to use this poem, but it came to me on Saturday evening as I was doing some reflecting. I was flicking through a little book I put together uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm going, this is, this found me. It came out of a conversation with a colleague in another city about four years ago, who was having a difficult time, um, both professionally and personally. And I closed off with this line, lean gently into your day. And that was, a new line for me. So I'd like to finish by sharing this with you. That's great. I'd love to hear it. Lean gently into your day with belly-filled breaths and hope-filled hearts. Invite your morning to greet you on the edge of your dawn. Lean gently into your work with a well-stretched body, mind, and spirit. Allow the tasks before you to inspire you, not tire you. Be open to the possibilities with a curious mind and willing feet. Lean gently into each other as a community with strength and gentleness so as to care for all, large and small. And welcome your neighbour and see through their eyes the stories they carry and lessen their load. Lean gently. That's beautiful. 
And, and great advice and a great place to end. Thanks very much, Karen. Thank you so much, Maria. Thanks so much to our listeners for spending time with us. We hope you found this podcast helpful and inspiring. If you did, please share it and other helpful resources from Workplace Strategies for Mental Health on your social media channels. Hashtag Workplace Strategies. Importantly, remember to visit WorkplaceStrategiesForMentalHealth.com for materials to support employee success in your workplace. Everything on there is free to everyone. And I'll leave you with this advice from Kieran. Breathe, breathe often, breathe deep.